Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. The Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how there is a whopping six debuts in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, the first time that's happened in over two and a half Mm. years. Plus, over on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Morgan Wallen's Last Night hits double-digit territory at number one as the song spends a tenth week in charge. And a certain queen of pop is back on the Hot 100 for the first time in nearly eight years as Madonna's collaboration with The Weeknd and Playboy Cardi, popular, makes its debut. But where does it land on the chart? Well, we'll tell you in just a moment. Also on the show, we're talking about yet another new Madonna song. This time, the Queen of Pop has teamed up with Sam Smith for a very vulgar collaboration. Plus, the Tony Awards went down on Sunday night, and there were a couple of very glee moments. So stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit Billboard.com podcasts. OK, let's do the chart chat. First up on the Billboard 200 albums chart, a whopping six albums debut in the top 10. And that is the first time we've had that many top 10 debuts in a single week in over two and a half years. It last happened in October of 2020. So the debut parade this week is led by Stray Kids, who bow at number one, with Five Star notching their third number one all in a row. And they are now joined by new albums from Jelly Roll, Inhypen, Metro Boomin with his across the Spider-Verse soundtrack, Foo Fighters, and Moneybag Yo. Busy week. Yes. Busy week on the top 10. Um, Also, Stray Kids launch with 249,000 equivalent album units, the fourth biggest week of 2023, largely driven by sales activity with 235,000 copies sold, mostly on the CD format, thanks to 17 different collectible iterations of the album, most with randomized merchandise inside. And that 235,000 marks the single largest sales week of 2023. That is saying a lot because we have had some big artists debut this year. Yeah, that whole thing with Midnight's last week, how that was the biggest sales week of the Yeah, never mind. Forget all about it. Forget, forget, forget I said anything about that. But as as we've seen in the past two weeks now, and people who listen to this show know this, 
sometimes when you have multiple versions, multiple iterations, multiple things to collect, that can really drive up a number for certain kinds of artists. It doesn't necessarily work for everyone, but as we saw with Taylor, having a couple different deluxe iterations and a new color vinyl variant, that can certainly help matters. And the same thing happens with K-pop, where if you put out a bunch of collectible versions of an album that really speaks to the k-pop fan this doesn't always work with a lot of artists who you know they don't have the right kind of fandom to generate those sales but with k-pop and taylor yeah well it's gonna get those sales and to be fair there have been other k-pop acts that have gone up against morgan wallen this year and have not gotten to number one so kudos to stray kids for making it all the way to the top next up over on the billboard hot 100 songs chart oh wait i want to say one more thing about stray kids please so stray kids have had three albums in total on the Billboard 200, and all three of them have debuted at number one. Katie, can you name the last act to see their first three chart entries all debut at number one on mm. Billboard 200? Hopefully you haven't read my story from Sunday. I sure haven't. Uh, uh, one Direction. Close, Harry Styles. Oh, okay. I was very close. Yeah, very close. <laughs> so close. He's a member of... Um, all right, now really moving on. So over on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Morgan Wallen's Last Night hits a 10th week at number one, making it just the 44th song to hit at least 10 weeks atop the list in the history of the Hot 100, which of course dates back to August of 1958. Also, Rima and Selena Gomez's Calm Down hits a new peak on the Hot 100, rising five to three, and Luke Combs's cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car drives past the peak of Chapman's original as Combs' rendition motors 8 to 4, besting Chapman's number 6 peak in 1988. Katie, I have an assignment for you. Please. Can you get Tracy Chapman on the phone? Uh, no, but I mean... <laughs> Nicki Minaj couldn't. I believe we talked about that on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, uh, why, Keith? Just because it just this song is so huge. And like if I realize she's sort of kind of, you know, uh, kind of taken herself off of the radar. But golly, this would be a really great time for her to give someone, anyone an interview. And who better than, I don't know, Billboard? Ah, I think it's a great idea. And I'm guessing she's not um, trying to do like a podcast. So to your point, maybe a, a nice dot com phoner would be the way oh, to do it. Or magazine. Yeah, I, 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 I wasn't I wasn't trying to necessarily I mean, Tracy, if you'd love to be <laughs> on the podcast, you're invited, <laughs> you're invited. Um, I was just thinking, gosh, it'd be great if we just had even an emailed quote from the person. That'd be well, great. Not that this is the same situation, but it makes me think of like Kate Bush and, you know, how, uh, you know, running up the hill came out of nowhere from uh, Stranger Things. And she kind of she I think she already had a blog. And then she started really using it as like her mouthpiece because everybody wanted to know like what she thought about the madness of it reemerging and it going to the top 10 of the Hot 100 and all that. And uh, and so, yeah, it, like I feel like I could see Tracy also enjoying the written word and sharing her updates that way. But I feel like if Billboard has not yet pursued an interview with her, that would obviously make a lot of sense. It, you get the feeling that probably everyone has tried to pursue an interview with her. And until we learn to stop asking... Uh, kind of like Beyonce. Like, we all know not to even bother trying to get Beyonce to tell us anything. But as you pointed out, like, maybe the best path of action is to just be like, here's a statement. I'll just put it up on exactly. social media. 
and I'm not going to talk to you again until I tell you I will. We all know from her music that she is a a writer. She's an incredible writer. So, you know, guessing that might be her medium of choice or maybe music. Write a song about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tracy, uh, you, you, you know full well right now, the producers of every award show, every music award show that is coming happening between now and like, say, next February are reaching out to both Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman saying, you know, it would be a great idea if the two of you got together on our show. Luke has already said, no, he's not actually said this. This is not this is me assuming Luke okay. has said, sure, if you get Tracy. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Right. You want you want you want me and Tracy Chapman to open whatever, the, the, whenever, the wherever Billboard music awards that later on this year. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it happen. <laughs> um, all right. And lastly, on the Hot 100, the queen of pop, the one and only Madonna is back on the chart as her collaboration with The Weeknd and Playboy Cardi titled Popular from the Idol debuts at number 43. Uh, largely from streaming activity. I know, so just close. Just outside so of the close. top 40, just outside. So close to the top 40. Where's the music video? <laughs> uh, it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> it's Madonna's 58th appearance on the Hot 100 and first since Bitch, I'm Madonna spent two weeks on the list in 2015, and that peaked at number 84. Popular is thus Madonna's highest charting song in over a decade, as she last went higher with the number 10 peaking Give Me All Your Lovin' featuring Nicki Minaj and M.I.A. in February of 2012. It makes me want to start singing that song and doing the cheer. Madonna's first appearance on the Hot 100 came nearly 40 years ago as Holiday debuted on the chart dated October 29th, 1983 at number 88 on its way to an eventual peak of number 16 the following January. And Katie, you should be so proud of me. I kept this uh, item about Madonna relatively uh, slim and trim, and uh, I wasn't going on in, in tons of floral prose. And then I chose to do a news item about Madonna, too. So why don't we just keep the Madonna conversation going? <laughs> you know, when there's actually a lot of things to talk about, we are game to do so. There truly is. So last week we talked about, of course, uh, the song Popular, and now we have another new Madonna jam to discuss Sam Smith and Madonna released Vulgar on Friday. Let's take a quick listen. Vulgar. Vulgar. Let's get into the groove. You know just what to do. Boy, get down on your knees, because I am Madonna. All right, so Keith, Madonna truly feeding the people right now. <laughs> uh, this song is, is well, okay, I'll go first, and then we'll I'll kick it to Keith, who I'm sure has thoughts. But I... Love this song for Madonna because it is very much in the vein of, you know, the dance music that she excels at. It also uh, is just it's a, such a good look for Sam, such a good follow up to, you know, unholy kind of like tiptoeing him into a little bit more of a, you know, an untoward realm, not the like AC radio hits that he uh, was used to before that. And so I love the idea of him going like full dance club banger dance floor filler love um that is my first impression of listening to the song keith talk to me about your your thoughts on vulgar um well immediately i was like okay this is basically like a bitch track 
Like it's basically <laughs> basically like a really hard, fierce '90s track mm. that you like a house track that you would like Vogue, and like it's very like uh 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 uh. You're like it's very like on the beat, and it's very like dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Like you you can picture like drag queens doing something. One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Um. So the music itself is really like effective in in what it's meant to do, which to me, this is just it's coming across as like a club track. Yeah. It, I don't know if this will ever get any real radio airplay or anything. Oh, it's but this seems 100% like, a club track. Yes. And all then this song was apparently recorded as kind of a reaction to the public's reaction to both Sam Smith and Kim Petras's performance of Unholy on the Grammy Awards, as well as Madonna's introduction i suppose of said performance right on the grammys so they apparently got together after the grammys and decided to write and record this shortly afterwards and it took them a moment to get the song out the door i find it interesting that there are apparently one two three four five six seven songwriters and one, two, three, four, five producers, possibly. A lot of cooks in the kitchen, but yeah, you know, maybe it was one of those things where, you know, maybe it was one of those things where like all of them happened to be hanging out in the room I, when they were, you know, pitching ideas. I was surprised by some of these names, uh, you know, some of whom we know well from the current pop charts. And maybe the most surprising to me was Ryan Tedder. Because I just really think of him, obviously, as an incredible songwriter. And I'm sure, I'm assuming that he probably was more in on, like, the lyric side. Of, I don't know. I would love to know what Ryan Tedder did for this song. Um, Omer Fetty is in there. Ryan Tedder come I up don't with know. On this I, just, I just can't even possibly fathom him making, like, like coming up with this beat or, I, don't, <laughs> I guess, the melody. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know. I want to know. I want Ryan did Tedder the- on the podcast to find out. We like like we haven't tried. Um, <laughs> I th- I I think it could be one of those things where, oftentimes, if you're if you're in the room when something is being written, you almost always get credit at this point. Yeah, um, and you're and you're and contributing. You're all you know throwing ideas together and whatever the finished product may be. But th- there are some. It's just funny to me. But yeah, it's it's funny. And Sam's verse uh, says, look like I'm dressed to kill. Love how I make me feel all black and stripper heels mood like Madonna. That's a fun turn of phrase. Yes. Rich like I'm in the Louvre. Uh, got nothing left to prove. You know you're beautiful when they call you vulgar. I do what I wanna. I go when I gotta. I'm sexy. I'm free. And I feel now. Madonna's. She says, "Let's get into the groove." Yeah. Referencing like her, her own first song. line of the song. Yeah. You know just what to do, boy. Get down on your knees. Well, okay, that's something Madonna probably would say, tongue in cheek, because <laughs> I am Madonna. All right, you're referencing Madonna again, just as Sam did in his verse. Right. If you f with Sam tonight. You're effing with me, so watch what you say, or I'll split your banana. Which is, <laughs> I, I think that's hilarious. Uh, we do what we wanna, we say what we gotta. We're sexy and free, and we feel vulgar. So I like it's just funny to me. It also it's Madonna sounds like Madonna in this song. Oh yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. Uh, you could make the argument that in popular, you wouldn't necessarily know right away that it is Madonna. And that it might be kind of, you know, just a tools and auto, you know, tune sort of situation on the unpopular. But I, this this is so obviously Madonna in her delivery, in her voice, everything in the attitude, of course, all of it is Madonna. And it also was interesting because I feel like a 
a modern music listener would probably most likely like in vulgar to break my soul by Beyonce only because break my soul references everything that Keith said before the like club Vogue, all of that stuff that Madonna was obviously fully in the scene of when it was originally happening. And so um, it's, it's, but it's funny that it feels referential to something that of course is referential to the same scene. Right. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so it's I think it's um it'll be interesting to see if this actually um has legs mm-hmm. in in any capacity because it seems like popular is uh the song that maybe has room to kind of grow and do something at radio mm-hmm. and maybe be- eventually become a hit um in in a more significant way it feels like uh vulgar is something that you would hear in clubs during gay pride month and here we um, are great timing you know like something that madonna could like put into her show this summer her concert tour um it could make for a very fun moment with sam on the screens behind her i don't know no 100 percent. vulgar is one that she could add to her own show i think more easily than popular which is very clearly like a weekend song 100 percent. yeah it's it's kind of crazy that we have um back to back in 2023, we have back to back weeks where we get new music from Madonna, where it's not just new music, but it's also new music with current, like really big stars. Oh, literally <laughs> like people who have topped the Hot 100 within the last six months, eight months. Oh, yeah. I, I guess, didn't even you know? really think about that. Like Sam no. was just on top with Unholy and The weekend has been number one all over the place for God's And sake. he was just number one with most recently with Die For You with Ariana Grande. What yeah, else, so. Madonna, do you have up your sleeve? Are there more singles coming? <laughs> Next up, the Morgan Wallen remix. <laughs> well, let's not get crazy. Um, <laughs> I, oh, also, we didn't mention it, but uh, Madonna is also on the Christine and the Queens album. Oh, right. Um, three different features uh i listened to all three of them madonna is acting as kind of like a spoken word actress on these songs Hmm. where it's a little confusing but it's kind of like um apparently uh christine the queens wanted a sort of persona to come in and act as a quasi narrator um and there is music happening but no one should kind of confuse this with vulgar it's really kind of like a special guest appearance by madonna there's so they're still definitely worth listening to so in the past like two weeks we've gotten five different sort of madonna items <laughs> I, I just wonder i'm like are we going to get anything else coming out before the tour starts um is this now we now know that apparently none of these songs were the Max Martin track, right? So where is that? Right, because like the weekend track, popular, had nothing to do with Max right? Martin, right? And uh, this one, we've and got the credits right in front of us. This doesn't have anything to do with yep. Max Martin, and I don't think the Christine and the Queens album has anything to do so with Max Martin. So we still are so, getting new music. So what? Where is that thing you did with <laughs> Max Martin? Is that coming out soon? It's crazy. Duh. Keith, getting right, a lot anyway. from your fave. Uh, okay, let's move on to our next uh, item in news. Uh, the Tony Awards went down on Sunday night, where Kimberly Akimbo took home the most awards, five awards, including Best Musical and Best Actress for Victoria Clark. But the biggest story to come out of Sunday's show was that for the first time, the winners for Lead and Featured Actor in a Musical 
are both gender non-conforming. So we have some like it hot lead actor, Jay Harrison Gee, who uses he, she, they pronouns and identifies as non-binary or pansexual, who won for lead actor. And then Alex Newell, who was the featured actor winner for Shucked and identifies as gender non-conforming. Now, Newell, friend of the podcast, I was say, Alex Newell, by the way, Newell played Unique Adams on Glee and has been a guest on this very podcast with the incredible dance music that they create. And, you know, that wasn't the only Glee related headline out of Sunday's show either. Uh, Leah Michelle closed the show with Don't Rain on My Parade from Funny Girl. And she actually performed the song at the Tonys back in 2010 when she was on Glee. And this time she did it in character as Fanny Bryce, the role she's currently playing on Broadway until September. Um, And just a side note, she was not eligible for a Tony for Funny Girl because she did not originate the role uh, in the revival. Beanie Feldstein did, but Beanie was not nominated last year when she was eligible. So just wanted to put all that out there. But Alex Newell, Tony winner. Very cool. I just wanted to bring this up because we were obviously like a Glee supporting podcast and we talked all about Leah getting cast in uh, Funny Girl and how like art reflected life oh, with yeah. that one since she played Fanny Bryce in the show. And now you have a world where Unique Adams is winning a Tony on the same show that Rachel Berry is closing with her signature song that she originated on Glee. Don't uh, Rain My Parade, of course, a cover of Barbara Streisand's song from Funny Girl. So just incredible. Could Rachel Berry have ever possibly imagined a world where Unique would have beat out Rachel for a Tony <laughs> Award? Hey, Unique did not beat out Rachel. Rachel wasn't even in the running because of a technicality, True. honestly. They should really... And also, also these are characters on I a TV know. show. These are not actual human beings. You know what's funny? Last note on this, because we had spoken about it a few weeks ago when we talked about the Color Purple film. Um, the Tony should really consider letting replacement actors be eligible for Tony's or maybe even create a category for replacement act like best replacement actor. You know what I mean? Because Fantasia was not eligible to win a Tony because she did not originate the, uh, the role like initially on Broadway or in the revival. And, uh, and now Leah Michelle, because Beanie had it first, but it's like, if people wanted to honor her for being a replacement actor, that feels like, they should be able to. There was also a um, I, I was immediately trying to think there was a Broadway revival of Annie Get Your Gun. And this was the revival, I think, in 1999. And Bernadette Peters was the star. And I think I want to say then Reba McIntyre was the replacement, mm. perhaps. Aha. Yes. Here we go. So uh, Wiki, I mean, I'm going to choose to believe that Wiki is telling me I'm this is correct. So when Bernadette Peters was on vacation, all my children star, really? Susan Lucci made her Broadway debut as Annie. And then <laughs> Cheryl Ladd was apparently Annie. And then, OK, country music singer Reba McIntyre made her Broadway debut as Annie from January of 2001 through June of 2001. Uh but I just remember at the time how everyone was going like Gaga over Reba being so great in that and kind of being like, oh, gosh, wouldn't it be great if Reba could be nominated for a Tony? So 
it there have been many instances in the past where a replacement actor shines brightly, but due to the rules of the Tony, I think it should be it, like it just, sort of this grab bag category where it's like the people who are not technically eligible for whatever reason they didn't originate the role, the show's been on for so many years, etc. There's lots of reasons that people would not be eligible. Just have the like like place that you can honor them with a competitive Tony award each year. I think that would be fascinating. Like, I think that is an interesting and uh, someone else that is smarter about uh, Broadway needs to chime in here. <laughs> Maybe we get Paul to tell us something because I think they would probably need to have their own category. But then it's like, what do you have? Like best replacement leading actor. Best See, replacement that's why I feel actress. like it should just be best replacement. And then it's like, but then you, but then you're, but then you're comparing supporting to lead in plays yes, and musicals. Yes. No, that's no, but you that's can't. where that's how I think it would work because I feel like there wouldn't necessarily be people that rise to that um, category every year in every category of of lead supporting musical play. If you just had best replacement castmate or whatever it is, I think that would be what, fantastic. I think the answer to this is what people have uh, done uh, for ages is you get cast as the person who originated the role. Full stop. That's how you that's how you get it. There's no other way to get it. Well, poor Beanie was a, a really a rock and a hard place because people, you know, sort of quietly wanted to see Leah in that role the whole time, but also didn't want to, like, reward her for what was seen as behind mm -hmm. the scenes bad behavior. But then it, like, made sense for her to pick it up after Beanie because people wanted it. They wanted to see it. But you didn't gift her the plum you know, Tony eligible role that she would have really truly loved. So anyway, okay, we got to we got to move on. This is okay. not the not the right. Tony podcast. <laughs> well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Twenty years ago, a band that had been absent from the number one slot on the Billboard 200 chart for over two decades returned to the top as Led Zeppelin's live archival album How the West Was Won debuted at number one on the chart dated June 14th, 2003. The set showcased a pair of California shows from the band in 1972 and marked the group's first number one album since the 1979 studio effort In Through the Outdoor. In total, How the West Was Won was Led Zeppelin's seventh and so far final number one album. Since How the West Was Won, the band has returned to the top 10 on the Billboard 200 two more times with the hits compilation Mothership in 2007 and the live album Celebration Day in 2012. And the latter actually commemorated the band's final live performance to date, uh, recorded in 2007 during the Amit Erdogan tribute concert. So there you have it. 20 years ago, Led Zeppelin was back at number one on the Billboard 200 with How the West Was Won. Noted pop group Led I Zeppelin. Mean, 
you know, from the pop shop. <laughs> gotta, gotta just, just rock it out. They've a little had bit. some hits. They're very popular. They're very pop. Indeed. Um, okay. So, uh, any parting words, Katie? We've reached the end of our big shoe. So, what will Madonna release this week, Keith? What's coming out on Friday for Madonna? Let's all wait and see. What if they're? What if it's that surprise Max Martin track? Ah, maybe. Who knows? What What if she just drops a whole new album all of what a sudden? What if she like? She's like, for Pride Month, I'm dropping something every Friday. <laughs> Mother is mothering. Mother is mothering. Katie, what song should we go out on this week? Oh, my goodness. I don't even know where to begin. Oh, wait, I've got a great idea. How about we go out on one of Alex Newell's dance tracks to finish this episode? Let's do that. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.